July 1st, we continue our reading through the Old and New Testament. We're in Job chapters 21 and 22, and we've reached a pivotal spot in Acts, Acts chapter 10. So what we're going to be reading in Job 21 and 22 is Job's response to all these charges, in particular the basic principle that if you're bad, then bad things happen to you, and if you're good, these bad things wouldn't happen to you. And Job responds to that, which is really the principle that the book is trying to address. That, that, that doesn't always work out that way. But Job is trying to say, look at the other side of it. There's evil people in this world and things go well for them. So this principle that these three friends are presenting to Job, it doesn't work out on the flip side. And that is Job's uh, defense. Listen, that this can't be the case. And I think of uh, Asaph in Psalm 73, which is a great cross-reference maybe to spend some time in after you read Job 21 and 22. But there is that picture of Asaph saying, this is the way so many people have it. They live poorly. They forget God. They don't care about God. They live evil lives, and yet they seem to do well. And Asaph said, that just totally frustrates me, to paraphrase. And uh, I can hardly handle that. He said, and I was felt this way. I was a brute beast. I, I started to deny the basic truth that it's worth it to live for God until I went to the house of the Lord. And I saw their end. I saw the big picture of God holding people, people accountable beyond this life. So uh, great parallel passage, and it helps us get to where we're going in the book of Job. And that is there's lots of reasons. Sometimes we don't know what they are for the evil things to happen and not have the immediate judgment of God and even the bad things to happen to people that, relatively speaking, are good people. Eliphaz responds in chapter 22, and he just ramps up. He doubles down and starts to just go after Job and basically says, come on, think about it. You haven't really been good. What good does your good do for God? I mean, you, I mean, it just if you took chapter 22 and you looked at the way he addresses Job, that your evil is abundant, that you're really a bad person, you haven't done all that you should have done. I mean, it's just a, it just has degenerated now to a terrible kind of accusation against Job. So that's where we are in our Old Testament reading. Our New Testament reading, I said it's a pivotal chapter because here we have the gospel about to go to the ends of the earth, so to speak. We've got this, this Italian centurion that is there in this city where, of course, there's so much interaction between Rome and um, Israel in that day. And this man named Cornelius is there, this centurion, this leader in the, in the Roman army. And Peter is prepped by God, and we're going to read the first 23 verses of Acts 10, to win him to Christ. And so that is going to take a little doing because the gospel, though it was said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Peter's not quite ready for that. God has to give him a strong lesson in this vision. He's, a, he's a very hungry, and he has this vision that the sheet comes down out of heaven, and all these animals were in it filled with clean and unclean animals. Animals on the clean list that you could eat in the Old Testament, and animals on the unclean list that you couldn't eat in the Old Testament. And, and, and here's this voice saying, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Well, he denies doing it. He says, I won't do it. I've never eaten anything unclean. And of course, God's making the principle, which Christ had already declared all foods clean in the gospel. But now he's saying, listen, that dietary restriction, the difference between clean and unclean was the dividing of social circles and showing Israel that it had to stay distinct in the Old Testament as a uh, nationality, as an ethnicity. And now he says, listen, you can't think that way anymore. Uh, do not call unclean what God has called clean. And so uh, he's prepped by that and then told to go to see Cornelius 
and uh, of course he's going to be sent on his way in the end of this passage and have the encounter as we'll read about it tomorrow. So that's our Old and New Testament reading, Acts chapter 10, New Testament verses 1 through 23. Our community imperative, as I keep moving us through Romans 12, is found in verse 16. It says, live in harmony with one another, which we dealt with when we went through all the one another's earlier in the year. But it says here, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Now, I know we dealt with the combination of those ideas as I dealt with the idea of living in harmony with one another. But we need to think just specifically about do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. We don't like to divide people up. We've never put labels on people in the church that way, but you need to think about Christians that you know that are, uh, you know, I put it this way, the average Christian. You need to associate with the average Christians. And by that, I mean, we always seem to tend to want to be with people that we think are above average. We aspire to these relationships. We seek after the kinds of, of people that we think it would be great to be friends with. And here's a passage that reminds us that Christians need to be associating with, fellowshipping with, being connected with, being friends with those uh, that aren't on that you know top 10 list. So I would tell you today to make it your goal uh, to be friends, to associate with, to have that kind of caring heart for those that are on the fringe, on the outcast. I think so often about coming on the campus and praying before we get here that, you know, you see someone standing by themselves and they're not popular, so to speak, that you spend that time and that effort uh, when you're out there and you have a chance to talk to whoever you want to talk to, uh, talk to, connect with, invite to lunch, spend time with in their homes, have them in your homes, associate with people regardless of whether or not they're the kinds of people that you might naturally think that you want to hang out with. So associate with the average Christians, how I put the community imperative, as awkward as that sounds. We'll be back tomorrow as we continue our reading through the Bible.